Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. This is Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And today we have a topic it's a we took us months and months to think of this very clever name is there room in your canoe splish splash yes we love our water references here on the deep water podcast okay so really what are we talking about here is there room in your canoe time is there room in your life and and really what we get down to is we're talking about time is there room in our life james for people for us one to receive input and to follow Jesus, part of which is you know being around people who can help lead us closer to Him. But also, right. is there room in our life for others that that He would have us help? Is there room in our life, if even for our kids, uh, do you have to have our same name? Yeah, I think that's a big thing. And you know, when we came back to the states, I know I think Americans are just busy people in general. But even like we got too busy overseas, there was no room in our canoe. And like, even if someone had come and said, oh, I really want to be disciples, like, where do I fit you in? And if it's a brand new believer and someone that's going to take even more time, it's even like kind of like that analogy of when you have four kids or when you have three kids and you're at a fourth one, it's like you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way because we get so busy doing things. Yeah. Some of them good things, but our canoe is limited and, and we don't have an option to build a battleship. I'm going to take my canoe and I'm going to upgrade it no. so that I can put everybody in it. Yeah. So you've been pondering on this for a while. Well, yeah. And, and I'll tell you why was when when we decided to do this podcast or really kind of when I was, you had said, Dave, do you want to be a part of it? To be honest, what kind of scared me was two things. One, everybody figuring out what a humongous fake I was and saying, let's listen to a different podcast, which, you know, they're welcome to do. But two... It's like, where in the world is there going to be time for this? And I don't necessarily mean just time for recording, which you and I have seen in the last two weeks. That itself is a challenge. But where is there time to really, sure, we all, in theory, want to obey Jesus, the things he tells us to do. But where is there the actual time to go and make disciples of all nations? Like, I think we're pretty good at getting in a routine. We feel the days up from sun up to sundown and uh to be honest every day of the week yeah yeah and it's uh it kind of puts knots in your gut when you think how am i going to really be serious about this and what is it going to cost me to be serious about this about right. following jesus and inviting others to do so about living in community yeah and let's clarify too like we're not talking some of us it's like, well, all my times to church things, you know, and, you, and so we're not, we're not, we're not saying how to say it. You can be, you can have all your time attended to church things. And we're talking the building, you know, things, programs that you have no time, really you have no time for Jesus in your life. You have no time for lost people in your life. And that we can be so busy going to church that we are not being the church. I think that's a fair. Yeah. Fair thing yeah. to say. Yeah, and this definitely, like you say, it's not an attack on, you know, okay, the first thing you need to do is skip Sunday night. We got to get out of Sunday <laughs> night. So we got to skip Wednesday night. 
No, but, uh, you know, churches have a lot of programs, and there's people in general usually pretty friendly. And hey, come on over to this life group, man. Hey, come to this young marriage deal. Hey, hey, we're going to have a clothing drive. Come on down, man. Come on. Come on. Right. Uh, and some of those things are good, right? Of course. But yeah. But there's also, there comes a point in time where it's like, well, I, let's just say one of my verses I've been thinking about recently uh, is Luke, I think it's in Luke 19, but it says, Jesus, Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost. You know, and so if we're following Jesus, that has to be a part of our life. And I know, I think specifically, actually when, when you and I met when I was in college, like I was so busy, so busy. And, and there were good things. I was doing stuff with the Baptist campus ministry. I was doing stuff with my church. It's like I didn't have any time for lost people. And the only ones I saw were in class, and at that point in time, I was, uh, I was not being a loving person necessarily, a little yeah. self-righteous. Anyway, like if I was going to go back and do it, I would have, I would have, I would have had to kick some things out of my canoe, and I would have put in more kung fu, where I was had fun and was spending time around people that didn't know Jesus. Yeah, I was going to ask you this question, so. Before we say you should make room in your canoe, do we see that in Jesus? Did Jesus make room in his canoe? What's that <laughs> look like for him? Hmm. Well, here's here's my thought. I think we know we know from the scriptures that Jesus was he was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit in everything he did, and I think he trusted that God had ordered his steps, that the Father had ordered his steps. So in in a sense, he, I don't think he had any extra time to spare, but he, he was attuned to everything that God had waiting for him as he went about his day. And what makes me think that's, that the answer is, is yes, is, you know, when Jesus, when people came up to him and wanted help, you know, they might have even been getting chased off or discouraged by the people around Jesus, but Jesus never told anyone he was too busy to help them. Uh, the closest that he came is if he there was you know that lady he wanted to test one time and just to show how good her faith was but but he never turned anyone away he he yeah I'll come heal your son yeah I'll come do this sure sure whatever let's go hey Zacchaeus let's come over to your house I bet you got something good to eat yeah see I don't know I like there's definitely that aspect of it but there's also times where like he withdrew to lonely places so he could pray you know like he intentionally said because. There come a point in time, and I think sometimes we uh, want to frown on the disciples or his family, and no. they're like, you know, Jesus doesn't have time for you. But they were looking, they're like, hey, listen, there's there's 5,000 people he just fed today. They all show up on the other side of the lake tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like, we got we to gotta protect this guy, right? But Jesus, being awesome, he, like, yeah, he was always in tune with the Spirit, and he was always doing, like, that which was most important at that moment. I fully believe that. Yeah. But he, I feel like he made time and he made space. And sometimes, it doesn't mean he wasn't busy sometimes, but like he got up early to pray. I think even in the very act of picking his disciples, you know, like he was choosing who's going to be in his canoe and who is not. Yes. You know, in the verse, we talked about it a few times ago, but Luke six thirteen, paraphrased, says, he called those, he called all his disciples together and then he chose the ones he wanted and appointed them as apostles, and those were his 12 guys. And so he was essentially saying, like, like you guys can be different places, but 
but in my canoe, you guys can row your boats beside me. <laughs> but in my canoe, I've got these guys. These guys are the ones that are in my canoe. Yeah. And so I, to me, I feel like we see it. And I feel like there's some other times in other op- other places where either people said, hey, I'll follow you, or where Jesus said, follow me. And he's like, uh, birds of the air have a nest, and but the Son of Man doesn't have any place to lay his head. And he was like challenging, like, okay, if you want to, if you want to follow me, like, there's rules for my canoe, and it's not just for every lollygagger that wants to hang around to see a miracle. Yeah, doesn't mean he didn't love us. And that, and I think Jesus in the flesh, you know, is bound by all the same time that that we are. But of course, Jesus in the Spirit, risen. You know, I don't think he's cutting anybody out of his canoe now, but as a physical man, like he made time for disciples, or he chose. He said, "This is like these are boundaries," and that's part of canoe, canoe building, running your canoe. Just see, there's a picture floating around the internet this week. It's I think it's at a gas station, but there's this pickup, and it's literally covered. It's like got it's got furniture like stacked out behind it, like up over the top. It goes up over the cab, and from from the picture on the internet, it doesn't even look like you can see the front. But I, it's parked at a gas station, so it was either a great prank or they really did have it where they could still see forward. But I mean, it looks like they must have put like one whole U-Haul worth of stuff on. Did you see that picture Mm-mm, by any chance? Hadn't seen it. What I what I think of when I see it or talking right now. That's what most of our canoes look like. Like we have packed out every single possible thing, every space. We're like working on buoyancy things so that we can just barely keep our canoe, just keep that water from tipping over. Because if it does, you know, it's all going to, absolutely, it's all going to come crashing down. Yeah. I tell you, on my personal journey here lately, we've already kind of begun the process of trying to make some space just for, for things to happen, you might say. One example is uh, we do church on Thursday nights at a house church. Uh, Sunday morning, I'm part of a great uh, men's prayer group. Uh, we meet and we practice uh, kind of a listening prayer. And then we just enjoy some some food together. And just it's a really great time. But uh, we kind of felt like, yeah, I think this time has served its purpose. Uh, my wife, Kristen, it was really hard, you know, with her with the, having the kids. She's such a good caretaker that, and I'm such an airhead sometimes that basically we had kind of gotten a position where I was going to two or three things a week where I was getting encouraged and she was going to something about every other week. So mm-hmm. all the listeners out there, you're like, oh my word, who, this is terrible. Yeah, it's kind of bad. So He must be a normal guy. <laughs> yeah. So we were kind of, that's one thing we did is I cut, cut out Sunday morning and Actually worked well because the other guys in the prayer group, I think there was this kind of unanimous thought that this has accomplished what it needs to. Let's think about how we're going to use this time differently in our lives now. Mm-hmm. So what do y'all foresee? What do you foresee your Sunday being, Sunday morning specifically? Or Okay. Yeah. And, and listener, I think the reason, here's what we've done. We've just said we've taken away something. Now we obviously have to put something good. We have to make good use of that time or it's still not spent making disciples. So to answer you, James, we've thought about a few things. One thing we've thought about is just visiting some local churches here around our house. It is amazing how many churches we live next to. And it's not that we're trying to get involved in another church, but we're just kind of thinking, 
Where do people walk to when they want to go hear a, a, a preacher? Where do people mm-hmm. want to walk to if they say, you know what, I haven't been to church in a long time. So it's kind of just a way of getting to know the neighborhood, you might say. Uh, and and not to people. Yeah, not to try and sound like I'm criticizing churches, but if it looks like the kind of place where you're not welcomed unless you wear a suit, I think we're gonna skip those, kind of go for the ones that look like they might welcome the the stragglers and the the disheveled in. And I, I hope as well that maybe we could start having some people over maybe for a brunch, maybe for for lunch or just uh just create some space, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe go camping at the lake with some people over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when I interviewed Dan McNaughton a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember if this made it into the podcast or not, but he said before they had planted their church, the church he was in actually gave him permission. And some Sunday mornings he would like walk around the area and talk to people. And he had a, a plan for how he did that. But basically, like Sunday morning is a great time when uh, people who don't believe in Jesus are out and about, you know. And so there's some options mm-hmm. for engagement there, especially where you're you're already getting a worship time at a different time of of the week. Yeah. So you're not completely skipping it. No, no. But but it's a time where people that you might could have conversations with people or people over for brunch. That you know, it's a good relaxing Sunday morning. You spend some time together, and then of course, and again, you know, you're a father with a new baby. Sometimes that that uh, you cut it out. Again, going back to that analogy of our canoes just packed so full. You know, sometimes we take like one box off the top, and we're like, "Sweet, I got to replace it now." And God's yeah. like, "No, no, no. You need to get rid of about six more layers of things." Yeah. And I'm I'm not ragging on you because I'm. Do it, man. I feel a. I feel a compulsion all the time like am i busy do people think i'm working hard enough i heard one time that middle class people specifically we measure our men we measure ourselves by what we do yeah and uh boy that's true i've always like man am i doing do people think i work hard enough am i doing enough you know i definitely want you to know that i wasn't just laying around this afternoon i i did something you know and yeah i don't know that that's necessarily that might be a part of our culture that we need to uh Surrender to Jesus, not to say go be lazy. No, but no, we 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 definitely can't. Um, we can't let fear of man, you know, fear of man is a snare, and just worrying about what people think. We've got to we've got to embrace the freedom we have in Christ to say, you know what, um, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings here. I'm not trying to, you know, back away from this Bible study. I I just I need some space in my life to hear from God. Once again, we're not saying don't go be plugged in. Yeah. I'm I'm already plugged in on Thursday night and <laughs> Thursday morning, so I'm just getting rid of, for those of you who don't know me, one of three places in a week's time where I uh, get encouraged. So, Right, because we always have to be part of the yeah. church. We are the church, and we have to, yeah, we have to do that, but. Yeah, but like I, I can tell you, there was butterflies in my stomach when I told the guys that I'm not going to come to Sunday morning anymore. And it, to me, it was just kind of, it was just neat that they were like, "Yeah, I think uh, we can use this time for other things," and we've kind of learned it. We need to, and so that was that was cool. But yeah, we get afraid of disappointing people, and yeah, and that's I think the hard thing about making room in your canoe or my canoe. 
is is it's a mix of like and it can be on good things it can be on bad things but there's so many so many needs out there so many good things to be involved in when we were overseas this last time like we had got to the point where like there was just literally like no room in our canoe about the only thing we had done i'm gonna say done well we kept one day that was a a sabbath day that we basically as a family we tried not to do anything else and like we didn't we tried not to do our work we tried not to do our ministry we tried you know and just that was like yeah but the other things like we just kept piling on piling on things and we had this this feeling all the time because the workers there are so few and the needs are so big and so we would add this in and then this opportunity would come up or this need and we would add this in and it was like it was literally like it was just exhausting and I had that same thought I think you referred to earlier of like if somebody boy if if I met a new guy from our UPG that was interested spiritually like I don't know where I would fit him in you know like I don't know what I would do and we 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 realized that probably a year before we left and we were trying to trying to prune things off and trying to cut things back and one I found people to be more gracious than I thought kind of like you did yeah Say, listen, guys, I can't keep up this pace. I say, okay, I understand that. That's a good choice. Well, you know, take <laughs> care of your family. But then, you know, it creeped back in. And I don't, I think where I'm trying to come to the point of is realizing like every time I see a need, a, a spiritual need. And this is true. This is true. A lot of people, as we try to follow Christ, we, we Dan Pierce describes it as a Superman complex. And we think we can just do everything. Yes. Oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, I can meet that need. And what I'm trying to come down to is like, okay, this is a need. Like in our in our city overseas, there was a need for an international fellowship, international church where the expats could meet. And we wound up jumping in and leading that. And maybe it should have been instead like, okay, God, like you've referred this, like you've I've seen this need. Like, let me start praying about it. Let me start praying that you would, unless I feel specifically like, yeah, God says, like, this is for you, James. Say, okay, let me start praying that God will send somebody to meet this need because this need is not, like, this need is not in my calling. Yeah. And I'm not specifically saying that one was or wasn't, but this idea that I I can't meet every need, but I could either pray for someone to come in or I could maybe disciple someone who feels called Mm -hmm. to work in that ministry. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to find yourself trying to, well, if God's made you a hand in the body of Christ and the hand sees that it should be doing, okay, my analogy just fell apart, but yeah, (laughs) we, the Superman complex, sometimes you just got to say, this is not what I'm equipped for, and I'm going to trust God that he'll bring someone else. Yeah. And I mean, you can actively look at it and say, okay, who could I encourage to do this? Who could I disciple so they would be ready to? Or who can I just pray pray about it or get more people praying about it and staying focused on like, okay, this is, this is what God's call is on me. And I think there, you know, there's times that we have to step up and do something that's not in our exact calling. I don't, I, I always don't want to go too far the other way. Sure. But there's a lot to be said for like, like this is who I am. And I remember the pastor I had up in the Northwest. I remember one meeting. I was just old enough to maybe start realizing this. And he was like, someone had brought up this, this ministry at a business meeting or whatever. And he was like, I think it's great, but I tell you, I'm not going to do it. 
Like if we're going to do it, someone else has to step up. It's not in my, and I recognized at that time that like, yeah, because if you do, you know, you just get pulled in a hundred different ways. Yeah. I think that's part of our culture is we're so different groups. I'm going to call them like, you know, churches. There's such a big focus on inviting and growing things that sometimes I think we maybe inadvertently get more concerned with growing our numbers in a given place than we do helping people find their true calling. Yeah, and we do want, I mean, when we're doing a ministry, we want lots of people to be involved. And sometimes we, yeah, sometimes we have to be willing to say, okay, I recognize this isn't your ministry, or this isn't where you need to be, you need to be over here. And one of the big thing I think is making sure we remember that this is this is God's ministry. It's not ours. Yeah. And if God's, you know, if God's the general in charge, well, he, he knows the whole picture. And so he may put troops over here. I'd really like him to put a lot of troops with me because I think this is the biggest thing, or I think this is the best thing. But God in his wisdom knows like, no, 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 I, I have something that's going on two years from now. You don't even know about, you know, and I need these people over here to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. I had this, this buddy that joined the army and he was like, I don't remember if he was like one or two semesters away from finishing seminary and joined the army as a enlisted guy, came in. But he said after he got out of basic training, he was, you know, they reached out to some of their old old friends. And like God had, like five or six of them had joined the army, which was kind of weird. And then, I don't know what it was, six months, nine months later, 9-11 happens, you know, the army, things change, we're all going to war. And what I saw is like, wow, God had God had pre-positioned people that he knew were mature, that loved him, that were trying to do things for him. I mean, these are all people that were on track to be a pastor or something like that. And he, he placed them all in his strategic places, not as chaplains, but as soldiers. You know, and I think that's the same when we're when we're leading a ministry or leading a certain Bible study, you know, like, is does everyone need to be here? Or, like, who is this for? Yeah. So what do you think, back to the canoe, what do you think's the hardest thing about making room in your canoe? Well, uh, we've already gone over, you know, having the guts to cut out, the willingness and the guts to cut out what we're going to call over-small grouping or over-Sunday schooling. And and to create space, so that's that's hard. I think being on if you're if you're married, being on the same mind as your your spouse, mm, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, just get to argue over what gets thrown. I can throw a lot of her stuff over. There. Yeah, it's like yeah, we can make we can get rid of all this stuff. Look at all this room we have. We didn't have to do whatever it is you're interested in. Yeah, your <laughs> kids. I've decided I'm not making any playtime for you anymore. Uh, no, that that won't work. So right. I would say it cutting cutting is has its own challenges but then taking that chunk of time that you have mm. freed up and doing something different with it doing the right thing doing the right it. thing I was going to say better is different let's go with the right thing okay so and this is not going to become a podcast today on discerning the will of god so if if we sound brash and hey just do this like the the assumption here is that you're you're reading your bible, you're praying and that you have a, an open and willing heart to hear God's voice for you for us. 
on whatever he's leading you toward. So can we just make that a base assumption for the rest of the talk? That way people don't think we're just negating that. But yeah, once you free that up, experimenting, just saying, you know what, let's, this is kind of another cheesy water cliche, but God can steer a moving boat easier than a one that's anchored and not going anywhere. (laughs) So just being willing to, to try something new, to make a new friend, uh, maybe go to a, a place where there's there's people that you might could engage and say, God, I'm going to trust you for a conversation or or for a, a mm-hmm. new friend or I'm mm-hmm. going to go spend time with someone uh, from work that I maybe like but wouldn't really normally want to give them my free time. I'm going to go across the street and ask that neighbor that, you know, we never really get past the hand wave and say, hey, I made a little extra coffee this morning. I think we're going to bake some scones, why don't you? Come over to the house and have a scone. Yeah. There's another fellow named Paul Watson that I listen to a lot on disciple making. And he talks about, because to me, I don't live in this, the city right now. I live in the country. So all of my neighbors, I already know real well, <laughs> and I'd love to have a cup of coffee and scone with them. But sometimes I'd be like, well, that'd be awkward. That'd be weird. So what he talks about is like, well, we'll find a hobby. Like, what's a hobby you'd like to have? or that you already have, and, like, how can you go do that hobby and be around people, but, like, specifically trying to, you know, have conversations, and the phrase they they use is, like, having casual conversations first, and then growing to significant conversations, and finally to spiritual conversations, and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll do a hobby or do something, you know, give it six months or a year, you know, and if he's having conversations and significant conversations and spiritual, then he'll keep going. But if not, you know, he'll keep praying for that area, but he's trying to engage a a specific area. Yeah. I think we also have to say, Dave, that like you and I both have a high motivation towards evangelism or towards, you know, a high call for the lost. I don't know that we always, I won't say, I don't know that I always live it out real well or that I do a great job of it, but like where my heart moves most, it's for lost people, people that don't know. And so, you know, if you look at the list in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, somewhere in there, you know, one of the big ones for me is evangelism. So I'm thinking always, basically always, like how can I make room for evangelism? And evangelism has to be done through discipleship. Like you can't you can't just, just lead them to Christ and then drop them like a newborn baby out of a hospital. Like you got to raise them. And really, if we want lost people here, we have to have more people that are that are mature in Christ and doing that. And so really discipleship leads to all that. But if, you're, if your primary motivation is pastoring or teaching or something, it may look different for you, like where you focus your time. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, if your primary motivation is teaching, what you may need to do, you may need to be cutting things out so that you have time to teach someone else how to teach. For example, yeah. like that's more disciple making. Anyway, that's my thought. I think I think for me, just the hardest thing is saying no to people or saying no to things that are pretty good, and I don't like it. I I'm a funny mix, as we all are. I'm a funny mix of people pleaser. Like I really want to please people in some areas of my life, and other areas I just don't care <laughs> at all. Style, fashion, what my lawn looks like, have zero desire to please people. But uh, you know. You think I'm a hard worker or, you know, like different stuff, you know, am I, am I a good Christian man? And 
you know, and sometimes I'll say yes to things that I should say no to because, you know, I want people to think about me a certain way. Hmm. Walking conundrum. Yeah. And what it really, what I think it really needs to come down to is, is really actively following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jesus, what are you doing today in my life? Yes. You know, and, and I don't know, I almost wonder if I should put, or Jill and I should put a rule in our life, like, okay, we're not going to say yes to anything unless we've prayed about it for a certain amount of time. And I'd have to think about how I wanted to do that, but it would be a something to give you time to, to pray about before you just jump in and say, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll jump in and be involved. Yeah. And I'm assuming that, and when I say that, I'm assuming that most of the people that listen to this are pretty active and they're, you know, they're wanting to please God and they're, their problem is not that they're not doing anything for God. Their problem is maybe, like us, a lack of focus and just not making enough room. Mm-hmm. I think about people who have really devoted themselves to, to one mission, and there's a guy in a church that I used to be a part of, which I actually left because I was part of two churches and decided I didn't have time. <laughs> so I, I pushed one church out of my canoe. So, But, but I still go to that church sometimes because uh, that's where I go to— do Arabic practice, but the guy there that leads the language academy, not academy, it's just, you know, that Wednesday night, you can come and learn a second language. And he was just, he's a guy who I think his story is he went on a, a trip to Mexico, a, a mission trip, came back with a passion to reach people and to speak Spanish. And, and that's pretty much what he gives himself to completely. He, you know, I, I don't know if he's well, yeah, actually, I do. Last time I left that church, he was teaching Sunday school to internationals, and he coordinates this big place where people, especially Spanish-speaking people, come and can learn to speak English. They can even do citizenship classes. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because I really admire him as someone who has decided what his canoe is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And when I say decided, he's he's... I think he's walking in the path God has for him, uh, but he, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think he probably does a lot of extra things. I think he kind of de- his thing. He devotes mm-hmm. himself to that. It even influences what he does on Sunday morning. Who he's, he's, he's not just in the men's class over here. He's uh, with the second English as second language speakers. So when I see that kind of focus, you know, maybe God will have some of us have a potpourri of things in our life, but. That's that's something I want to emulate is to be focused and and kind of just not afraid to miss out on things because, you know, there's a lot of humility that comes with just realizing that this life is very big and we are very small. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We are not God and we can't do it all. And if he's got you in a job where you work 40 hours a week, you really only just have a handful of hours between time you get home in bed right uh, so right and so what you do at the job better be a part of god's plan for your life as well yes yeah you know, again as you as you are going while you're going about doing your life you know make disciples absolutely i know one verse we talked about before we were getting kicked off tonight was colossians 4 um 4 verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. So yeah, you can't just go to work and be like, all right, I got my professional cap on today and I can, you know, turn off this, you know, disciple making stuff till, till later uh, when I'm in my free time. It's like, you know, every opportunity. Mm -hmm. And some of that goes for like how you, how you do your job. You know, like, are you the guy that works hard in your company? Or are you the slacker? You know, the guy there is like, man, that guy's a, yeah. I'm always having to do his work. Well, that doesn't help you much make disciples. No. But on the other hand, if you're the guy that's like so hard charging or such a jerk or you're like, there's all these different things, like your life, like what you do there has a huge influence on how people view you, how they view you as a follower of Christ. And I think it's just also being sensitive to those around us. And looking to see, like, what's God doing in their lives? I think you said it the other day when we were just chatting, but, like, recognizing that, like, every conversation you have in the day is a divine encounter. Like, God brought every one of those people into your life. Yes. And some of it, it may not be for anything you know, but keeping your ears open so when you hear something or you notice something, you know, you have an opportunity to speak for God or to encourage or to love or to whatever it is you need to do. Yeah, or... Or to to not do something when you could have been the one who ripped someone for their jerk behavior, or you know you could have joined in on oh yeah our our boss you know stinks or um, mm -hmm. management just makes terrible decisions like you know time to keep your mouth closed. So so anyway yeah the most of every opportunity there's no no moment when we are off off duty in that regards right. And again, following Jesus. What's he doing in this moment? Where do I need to be today? Just being more consciously aware of that, being prayerful about that. I think it's really good. And then being prayerful about kicking things out of your canoe. Yeah. And that's hard. You know, we talked about it, John fifteen two. Jesus is talking about abiding and being faithful. And he says, uh, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, I'm not a vine, and I've never been physically pruned, but, you know, it hurts when something's cut out of our lives. Sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a friendship. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's our own horrible, sinful selves. You know, and God, God cuts on us, and he prunes on us, and as I understand it with a vine, like as you prune off those things, like more of the, of the, the energy of the, of the vine goes into that branch, into the branch that where the fruit's still there. And so it produces bigger, better fruit. Yeah. And for us, if we don't, yeah, I think, I think we have to be pruned and that takes prayer. I think it also takes, you got to have some friends that you can go to. Hopefully your spouse is one of them. Mine is, I know yours is. And you're one for me, you know, man, what do I need to cut out of my life? I'm, this isn't right. Or, or someone will come to you and say, listen, man, you're, you keep saying this is the direction you're going, but, or this is the direction God's calling you, but I keep seeing like all this baggage holding you back. Like, what would it take? I'll, let me help you unload your canoe. Yeah. Let's throw some things overboard. I'll, I'll pitch things out of your canoe all day <laughs> long. Yeah. You gotta have a canoe cleaning party. That sounds perfect. So would this would this be a good time, uh, James, to just go over some questions for kind of some action point type 
Yeah, I think so. The how how are we going to obey this? What are we going to do about it? Yeah. So maybe maybe a first good start is okay. This is let's examine yourself. Ask yourself as as we are currently. How many activities am I, am I involved in? Um, whether they be professional, extracurricular, uh, maybe intramural. Well, no, let's, uh, let's let's focus maybe on church <laughs> stuff. Like it's getting late. Okay. So here, so here's the first question: How much stuff are you involved in in say church, small groups, Bible studies? Uh, once again, this this question is tailored toward those that um, are so engrossed in Christian community that there's really not a lot of space outside of it. And do you really need all those things? Are all of those something you need to to stay encouraged, uh, to be challenged, to grow? Or is there something that you could permanently, or maybe even just for a season, say, you know what, I'm going to back off from this and just, first of all, create some space just to see what God does with it the free and then just to have freedom to experiment with that space. So what are you what are you potentially going to prune? Yeah. I think you also have to throw in extracurricular things too. Like what cuz it's not just church things no. that makes us all so busy. You know, what are the other things I'm going to prune out and there's a million different things and I think it needs, you know, maybe you have to take, this is the list. This is everything I do in a week or a month. Like these are my normal, this isn't emergencies either. Like make you a list and with your spouse, maybe separately go prioritize it. Okay. This is the first thing. It's most important. Second most, third most, and just go down and then like start with the same list, but then go down and see, and then look back and, and compare and start figuring, okay, well, which things, maybe it's not important to either one of us, or maybe neither one of us thinks this is where our priority needs to be. And that's a a good point you brought up about uh, for spouses. As you're doing this, you know, think about if you're doing it together, this is also going to be an exercise that that makes sure that both of you are growing. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend the other day say something about, you know, my wife has just really been growing a lot spiritually in this season of life, and I thought, when's the last time I asked myself whether or not Kristen was growing spiritually? And that was about the time I realized I went to three things a week and she went to 0.5 things a week. (laughs) So I was like, Uh okay, it's time to start asking that. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing I would add on James is uh, making space for the things just to care for yourself as a a disciple, like time in the word. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know it, it, it may not sound spiritual, but getting enough sleep, you know, if you're staying up mm-hmm. catching that late Law & Order episode, <laughs> it's really hard to get up and get time to, to settle your soul and be in the Word before the day starts. Just even practical things like, you're like me, you need to exercise a little, do some physical therapy on my, I got to do that for my back. Um, I have a conviction that I need to make time for that to love my family. It's hard to say that I follow Christ when I won't do these simple things that for me personally, I know if I don't take care of myself this way, I can't take care of others. So mm-hmm. just stuff that's almost so basic uh, that it shouldn't even have to be said. So, yeah, but it does have to be said because we're all in the same boat. Yeah. So making time to care for yourself so you can care for others. And 
that kind of gets down to, you know, you talked about what all do we do in a week. Think about what a normal work night looks like. What is the anatomy of a work day for you? When do you get home? Uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom, what do you do during the day? Uh, you know, when when is bedtime? Uh, when do you make time to read? When do you make time to to just do things like mowing that you have to do or you'll <laughs> or you definitely won't <laughs> well, anyway. So you might have that neighbor. When do, make, when do you make time to put your cattle out on your yard to mow your grass? Exactly. For you? you know, those important things. Nice herd of I goats. think the next thing then is like, how are you going to hold yourself accountable? Or who, maybe who is going to help you hold yourself accountable? And I'll tell you, depending on how far in you are over your head, how loaded your canoe is. Like when Jill and I were overseas, like we, we started seeking counsel of people that were really wise. Um, some that were our age, but a number that were older than us that could just look at us and say like, you know, that had a similar heart, people of God that we trusted a lot. Okay, help us. What what should we prune? Where should our priorities be? And sometimes it's really hard. And that could be even with your extracurricular activity. Sometimes an outside source that loves you, that they could speak honestly and say, you know, I'd, if it was me, I'd cut these things out of your life. I don't see that being fruitful for you. Yeah. And I think you also have to make a list of like these are kind of like you were saying with exercise. These are the things, these are the things that I should be doing, but I'm not doing right now, you know, and get those priorities right. And there's no such thing as perfectly managed time. Jesus is probably the only one that was always doing what he should do at the right time, but we could improve it some. No. And give ourselves room, room for God to steer and maneuver yeah. our canoe, room to get going in the same place room so that we're not burning out i mean one of the biggest biggest problem with pastors is burnout you know let's not follow the same trajectory Mm -hmm. let's not be lazy yeah i yeah you're right of course i am (laughs) i tell you what i was trying to think of what example i wanted to tell and if you're if you're someone who in your circle is always the one volunteering for this and that uh, I had a counselor a few years ago in Shawnee who really helped me through some some things. And one example he told was he he said I was big into volunteering. Every time they needed someone at church to to run and do this, I would raise my hand. And I finally realized that wasn't healthy for me, but it also wasn't healthy for the the young the younger guys who would just sit there and go, "Oh, I guess Brad will do it." And anyway, he said one Sunday, I guess there was a an older lady in the church who needed some help. And they were like, who will do it? And he said it was, it sounded like it was really hard, but he kept his arms down and finally like some, some arms kind of crept up like, I guess I'll help. And he, you know, said, well, there you go. Now I have the freedom and the time to do what I've been called to do. But someone else is also going to get blessed because they're going to get an opportunity to serve. So if you're in that position yeah. where you feel like, well, if I don't do it, things are going to fall apart. Well, one, no, they're not. And two, maybe they need to. <laughs> maybe yeah. then someone will realize that they've got to get up and serve too. So, uh, Yeah, it's that super Superman complex again. Yep. And really making disciples sometimes is letting other people do it even if you could do it better. Yeah. Well, it's hard to sit back and watch someone when you think you're 
your keyword when you think you're better. <laughs> right. Sometimes you you really realistically are. Like yeah. You have more experience, true, true. but you're not making disciples if you do it all the time. No. You know, you have to give them a chance to to do it and mess up a little bit and learn from it. And so we have our our question about what are you going to cut out? What it, you're going to take inventory of your week, inventory of your month, inventory of your work day, inventory of your evening, and it's with your with your spouse, you know, with your kids, and uh, just look at you know what do we think God's called us to do? What's really important? What are our non negotiables? Think about what would he have us prune out, even if it's only for a season. Mm-hmm. Realize that you have the freedom in Christ to do that. You're not subject to, you're, at the end of the day, we're subject to following Jesus. So enjoy it. Enjoy the freedom. Enjoy the adventure of trying something new, of freeing up space, and just have fun with what he's going to lead you to do. And then think about what are we going to use this new space for? Who Who is going to be blessed as a result of us having this new space? And I guess one one last and thing. That I might would, be that might be your kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or your wife. That's probably a good place to start. If you're freeing up an evening where you were going to a, an event, maybe the first thing to do is just to stay home and just have a quiet evening together uh, where you have time to hear each other talk and have a conversation and just rest and be still for a little bit. And your last thought was, I interrupted you there with the family. No, that was it. Just, I I would say this is, I've kind of said it once, but I'll try to even say it even more plain. I heard a great story a few years ago about two women in the Middle East who were followers of Christ, and they had, it was said of them, I never got to meet them, but whenever they would move to a new region, they wouldn't try to do any sort of outreach or ministry. They would just spend the first month or two just praying about what God would lead them to do. That story really is kind of the heart of what I'm trying to say is, don't just look for something else to jump into, but you don't be thoughtful about it. We do need to make the most of the time, but sometimes making the most of the time is just stopping, listening, resting, and the Lord will show you. Yeah, yeah. and if you get a last story, I get one too. Oh. We were reading in uh, Miraculous Movements, which is a great book about just interesting things God, miraculous things God's doing among Muslims. But there was this story, there's an old lady in this village that had become a believer and the village chief, whatever he was, his wife was demon-possessed and in, you know, really sick problems, all stuff. And they tried like every, they were kind of a, in this area, a mix of uh, Islam and animism. You know, they tried the witch doctors, they tried the imams, they tried all this stuff. Ladies just like, mostly not even lucid. But she has this moment where she's like, clearly thinking for a minute, she's like, I've got to go to the praying woman's house. And she heads to the house unless you think it's like this perfectly smooth ending, when she hits the doorway of the lady's house, she like falls on the ground paralyzed. And it says she does she does not eat, she does not drink, she does not use the restroom for eight days. She lays there in front of that woman's house. And for eight days, this lady prays for her. I'm assuming she stopped to, to sleep and feel that, but she prays for her for eight days. And after 
after eight days, all of a sudden the lady's eyes come back open and she's hungry and the demons are gone and, you know, God did a lot of great things with it. But as I, as we were reading this story, I was just like eight days. I'd be like, Hey, listen, you got 15 minutes. I've got something to do. I'll pray for you for 15 minutes. And then, you know, we'll carry you back to your house. And he was like, I don't even have time to time to care about somebody like that. Hmm. And I've got to say this too. It's also very true that people who are not believers spend their time completely different than we do. And sometimes I don't like, I don't even understand it. I want to, I want to reach out, but sometimes it's like, well, I may have to get out of some of my religious activities that may be great things in order to somehow put myself into their time and their orbit so that I might have a chance to share the good news of Christ. Because mm-hmm. I also don't know that they're going to look at my life and be like, boy, I sure wish I was in church three, four times a week. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not what they're thinking. Boy, I wish I didn't have time to sit around and drink a cold one with my friends. Mm-hmm. Cold tea for me. but yeah. uh, I hate you know, like discretionary a, time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Go make room in your canoe. Kick out what you need to. <clears throat> Follow Jesus. Ask him, what should be in my canoe? Where are, we, where, where are we going? Jesus told Peter, take your boat out to deep water. <laughs> That's a good time. I'm saying, let's call it quits. <laughs>